Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm glad we've got this time together. Looking forward to the next couple of hours. Thank you for joining me. I hope uh, we are all having a great day. Um, I'm. My Bible is open to Proverbs chapter 4, and it says this, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. That comes from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. So, uh, to get things started today, and of course the overwhelming request is, hey, we missed Patrick on Monday, so apparently they want more Patrick. Um, well, actually nobody nobody actually wrote that in. I just <laughs> made that up. But here he is on our studio line all the way from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious city of West Des Moines, Patrick James Albanese. Patrick, welcome. Oh, no, it's Joseph. My brother is James yeah, in the middle. Yeah, I forgot. We all had... Yeah, he's close enough. <laughs> so I'm you starting know, off I had on the wrong J. foot. I knew there was a J in there. Yeah, I thought it was James. Joseph, huh? Was, it, was that a Depeche Mode song? Just can't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I love your proverb, and it, it, it appears to be filled with proverbial wisdom. It does. Yeah, it's all over the place. Here's one for you. Uh, anyone who doesn't think there are two sides to an argument is probably in one. <laughs> <laughs> that I like. That I like. I like this whole idea that uh, keep the words in your heart for their life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Health to one's whole body. I want to say that again and again because that seems to be a big deal. Uh, what we do is body, mind, and soul. We're, they're all working together. And it's important that we uh, make sure we put God's word in our heart and let it not depart out of our sight. It seems to be the best way to start your day and then fill the middle of the day, and then maybe you could even end the day that way. <laughs> exactly. You got that right. So yep. um, we're talking about January 22nd as an interesting date. Um, and yes. if you're still doing uh, a New Year's resolution, maybe you've got a changed habit, you've made a sacrifice, and you're still doing it, by January 22nd, you are in the upper 5% of the population. Yes. And so if you quit on the 23rd, you, you go out a winner. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you I just want to, to encourage everybody. So well, that, how does it, is, did they say, is it three weeks to, de, to develop a new habit? 21 and, days. Yeah, I remember yep. that, mm-hmm. you know, when I would try to develop new habits and, and then I would think I'd hit that magic three week mark and that suddenly on day number 22, it would be easier. And it was not, it was not, but it had become routine. I think it takes a lot longer to really make something. Uh, you and I like to use the word non, non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but uh, almost, I think a better way to phrase it is, is something that you don't even think about. It's, it's not that you're negotiating one way or another. You don't negotiate, you know, brushing your teeth. You just don't think about it. You say, ah, oh, it's time to brush my teeth. And, and, and that to me is when a habit has really has taken hold when you just, you say it's time for this. You know, if you were, it is pretty tempting to say, gosh, you know, I was going to read the Bible. I was going to start. And my goal was to read the whole Bible this year. Now I'm 20 days behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could still catch up. Absolutely. You could still catch up, but it would become, you know, I think over a, a period of time, it would just be, you would say, not, am I going to read the Bible? You would say, when, you know, yeah. as you know, my family, I'm, I'm from a large family. And when the kids get together, we still call ourselves kids. We like to work out together in some fashion. And the conversation is always the same. When are we going to work out? Yeah, not if, but when. Not if, but when. Yeah, and I, think I like that. That's that's the sign that a habit is really taking hold is that you just say, all right, when are we going to do this today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you're slight procrastinators like you and I can be from time to time, and you say, mm-hmm. I'm going to commit to reading the Bible this year, and so you've missed maybe 20 days, it would be just like us to read the entire Bible on December 31st. Yes. You go, ah, I got it done. Yes. Uh, reminiscent of my high school <laughs> exam taking days. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Many a book report. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I know. Uh, because you're, you're determined to do it, um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, I think we, we often make the mistake of thinking we have, there's sort of that balance between thinking you don't have enough time or you have too much time to do things. And, and maybe time shouldn't be the factor mm-hmm. in, in when you're going to do something like read the Bible. Say, don't, don't think, well, I got plenty of time to catch up. Just think, no, no, I'm going to read today. Absolutely. Right. That's it. It's yeah. not about time. Yeah. So I know you just uh, recently had your, uh, your annual physical, and I think things turned out really nicely. So congratulations. But you just went in to have your blood drawn today for something, and they didn't swab your arm before drawing blood. That was a, a kind, of a, kind of alarming, wasn't it? All these years, you know, so I, I had, I hit a certain age where you're supposed to get a physical, <laughs> well, every year, but, uh, and by the way, uh, the doctor did say that I had the body of a man half my age. She then said, that guy, by the way, is in horrific shape. <laughs> she was referring to a specific guy and she pointed him out on a chart and said, this is what's going on. <laughs> um, but, uh. No, I, I got, you know, the nice uh, clean bill of health, and uh, I had a, a family member uh, dealing with, uh, um, you know, a case of cancer this year, so I had to let them know that, and so that bumped me up where I get to do, you know, uh, more frequent tests mm-hmm. on, you know, the, the procedures. Sure. Uh, we'll just call it procedures. But uh, so I had to have some additional blood drawn today, and, I, and they said, you know, get here as early as possible. We'll get that fresh morning blood, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I might have gotten, maybe I, you know, there's a couple of people in line and I go in and she wraps the, you know, the balloon, the, the balloon animal around my arm mm-hmm. and boom, she st- sticks the needle and I say, uh, you didn't swap me. She says, huh? I said, no, no, you didn't. There was, there was no alcohol swab. You know, do I need to go to the ER right now? Am I in danger? <laughs> Uh, and she didn't, I, actually, I called her later and she said, well, you know, nothing to worry about. The needle is sterile. I said, well, I'm really not, not really worried about the needle. I'm, I'm worried about that, you know, uh, my skin might've been dirty and something has been injected. So, uh, it's amazing how quickly, you know, 
every itch in my body since 7 a.m. <laughs> I had that done at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. I'll get an itch, or you know, if 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 my if I have to scratch my nose, I go, that's the infection. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. So, uh, so I find it just very odd, though, that there was uh, the the no alcohol swab because even the guys getting lethal injection get the alcohol swab before they put the needle in. You can't be too careful, right? No, you can't. So I don't know if there's no, a, nur- if there, a nurse out there that's listening that can, or a doctor who can jump in and send me a text and say, uh, that was okay, that what they did with Patrick was fine. There was no alcohol, little swab necessary. The needle was fine. I'm just curious. I'm curious. She forgot. Yeah. When I called later, she says, I forgot. I must have forgotten. Okay. So maybe it's not okay. Um, well, I, I, I don't think it's what you, I don't think in a, in a perfect world, uh, which we don't live in, right. I don't think that's what you want, but, uh, you know, I just, I find it, I don't think the word's ironic, but you know, a, a week ago I'm getting this incredible clean bill of health and you know, the doctor says, we're going to draw a little bit more blood, run a couple other tests on this and that, but everything looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Numbers look, you know, she, <laughs> I thought she said your numbers look killer and I got very nervous. <laughs> She's very good. And uh, so then I, I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be weird if in the process of, you know, this supposed very nice level of health, which I've been blessed with, that uh, going to have some blood taken to make sure that everything's on track, they poison me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. So what have, you, what have you learned or what have you understood to be a, a good health practice uh, at your age? I'm not saying what your age is, but, um, you know, do you, you read this? information that says you should drink eight glasses of water. Do you buy into something like that? Or do you just go, I kind of drink water when I'm thirsty and I think that hydrates me enough. Yeah. Now I won't give away my age, but I like Ike. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, uh, You know, I don't necessarily count the the glasses of water. I don't. Um, And you know, okay. So you're like me and, and, and we all know this. Everybody that's listening knows that the internet is your greatest friend and you're almost afraid, like at my physical, I say to the doctor, the things that I have researched and I, and I am kind enough to preface it by saying, I realize you're going to hate listening to these words of, I saw this on the internet. You're not going to like, but I try to weigh it and say, these are the two sides of that, um, question. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious where you fall on it. So uh, I, I try to make it look like I've at least done enough research to say, look, I've looked at a couple of sides of this. I'm lost. That's why I'm coming to you. Mm-hmm. And have you read, you know, you don't need eight glasses of water and you then other ones that say, well, you do need eight glasses of water. Uh, and, and it's funny, you know, I watch my kids. There's not necessarily big, hard and fast rules about how much water they need to drink. I notice that when they're thirsty, <laughs> they drink. Mm-hmm. our dog does that. Yeah. You know, just go look at the, this just natural thing. The dog eats when he's hungry. He drinks when he's thirsty. And, you know, trying to fit a regimen in there. But I maybe you need to be more aware of, say, the signs of dehydration. Well, you know, our, our favorite uh, fitness trainer um, would say that, no, you should be drinking eight glasses of water. You should get up in the morning and have a nice tall glass of water first thing just to get things uh, happening, get hydration. He said you can have... Uh, a lethargy if you don't drink enough water and you can yeah. um, also it's just not good for your digestive system so having said that um, you know I, I think it's always a good health practice to try to have more water than less water in your system I'm getting a whole bunch of uh, responses from nurses and uh, no not okay not okay not okay um, and let's hope he showered before he went did you shower before you went no okay it was early in, in the morning yeah 
All right. Nice knowing you. We'll take a little break. <laughs> I, I, was, I was actually in a mud bath. Is that a problem? <laughs> I don't know. We'll take a little break. We'll come back. Uh, hopefully Patrick will still be with us. You're listening to uh, Afternoons with Bill Arnold. And then uh, Patrick Albanese is my guest. He usually is on Mondays, but, you know, we had Martin Luther King Day Monday, so he didn't make the roster that day. So he's on today. Be right back. I could, I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome back to the show. Glad to have Patrick Albanese as my guest on today. And we are uh, talking about uh, all kinds of stuff, mostly health and, and this great passage we started with out of Proverbs chapter 2, which I love. And that's um, talking about the, having the word in your heart because it's, uh, it's good for your whole body. So yeah. as we're trying to take care of our whole body, we are getting a lot of nice input from listeners, Patrick. Um, uh, drink half your body weight in ounces daily, approximately. So what's, yeah. what's the math on that? Well, and also be, make sure you understand that it's half your body weight in ounces, not half your body weight. Right. Yeah. So do the if math you weigh for us. pounds, do not drink 75 pounds of water. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're but more helpful say, than usual today. Yes. Uh, Do the math. It could, it could be the fever I'm getting right now. <laughs> okay, we got to stop making fun of this because this is, you know, it's, it's you know, there's yeah, it's a serious it, subject. So It is a serious subject. Yeah. I'm trying to take light of it because I've been fretting about it all day. Okay, well, stop fretting. Uh, but, I officially yeah, tell you to stop fretting. So 260 pounds, that would be 80 ounces. Half of that would be 80 ounces, which conveniently would be approximately eight 10-ounce glasses of water. Okay. So now... The thing is, one of the reasons when you had asked about me, you know, I don't, I know that I take in plenty of water uh, because I know how much I drink it with every meal. Uh, like your, like our health friend said, I, first thing I do when I get up in the morning is drink a big glass of water. And then uh, if I do go work out, I probably drink two glasses of water. I know that I'm consuming much more than the eight glasses of water. So okay. I, it's, it's one of those things I know I don't have to check because yep. I'm just used to it. Yeah. So... What about other little things that we should be aware of? I know uh, sleep is at the absolute foundation of good health and clear thinking. All right. So uh, has there been any ways you've discovered to increase uh, your energy and improve your sleep over the last couple of years? I know there's a lot of listeners our age looking for tidbits and and pieces of advice. So what do you got? Uh, You know, I have a sleep. Do you know I have one of those CPAP machines? Yeah, you've Uh, used it like three times and that's in the closet. It's in the closet. Yeah, uh, I should turn that off. By the way, that thing <laughs> makes an annoying hum. Um, now I, I used it more than three times, and uh, um, it, it we fought. And even yeah. when I talked to the sleep doctors, so I'm not a good sleeper. Um, but I did. I, I, I tried a new product in the last week. Uh, see, remember those breathe right nasal strips? Yeah, remember them well. You're supposed to breathe through your nose. And so I had stumbled across on a, a sleep blog because I was just determined. I was up. <laughs> so <laughs> might as well read about how do I get some sleep. And breathing through the nose was important. And uh, But I'd tried those and they hadn't worked. And I discovered this new device. I think it was called the Mute. Uh, and, uh, you know, it wasn't very expensive. I think it was 20 bucks for a month's supply. And you could probably stretch that. And... Right off the bat, first night, I said, that 
worked and it just opens up your nasal passages. Mm -hmm. So then I read an additional thing about making sure you're not breathing through your mouth. And this one guy had a thing where you actually keep your mouth from opening while you sleep by taping it uh, closed and it worked. My wife slept great. but um, that's not a joke, though, is it? Taping your mouth shut? It's not. A, I had never. It sounds heard like a joke. It. it sounds like a joke, and they actually make special tape and special strips that have little area for some air to come in and out. But you're really supposed to be breathing through your nose. Okay, so it forces you to breathe so, in and out of your nose. It forces yep. you to breathe in and yep. out of your nose, which takes a little bit of getting used to. Yep. But uh, almost immediately, I'd say, well, these are actually helping a little bit, and. Uh, I didn't have that. I tend to jolt awake uh, in the middle of the night, and yeah, I haven't. I've done. sat next to you on an airplane before. Yes. Well, you jolt. You jolt awake. <laughs> yes, I jolt awake. Mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, it's mm-hmm. you know years ago when I was young, I had friends that would say, "You can fall asleep in the middle of a sentence, wake up two hours later, and complete it." And <laughs> I thought that was a talent. Uh-oh. Uh, but uh, now I jolt awake, which is a sign of sleep apnea. Okay. That, uh, so um, now I've got about a week under my belt of that not happening. Nice. I, I'd love to make that CPAP machine uh, work, um, but uh, I'll take anything at this point in time. And, I, you know, that was the, one of the things that came up on health. The doctor said to me, your big problem is your sleep issue. Right. And that raises your cortisol levels, stress hormones, and those are very bad. So all these other great numbers that you have don't mean anything mm. if you can't get this in control. And uh, so, uh, folks, if you are having some trouble with it, um, try some things. Mm-hmm. That cortisol thing is a serious uh, hormone, chemical, whatever we want to call it, whatever it is. But it's... Uh... You know, it surges throughout the day if you have a lot of stress, and then it kind of depletes your body, and I think it leaves you kind of in the dumps. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I would find, and now just in the last week or so that I've been getting a little bit better sleep at night, So I, I used to hit maybe three or four, I would call them sinkers during the day. I said, I've got to lay down for a, a few minutes here. And I'm generally a pretty high-energy guy, mm-hmm. uh, but it would just hit me and those I'm down to one. Mm, So I, you know, just on that alone, I say, well, this, you know, I I need to do more work on getting this sleep under control, but just the difference I can already see, uh, makes me a a little bit more optimistic that, um, you know, gosh, maybe I can get rid of those. Maybe Mm -hmm. I can get rid of those down times during the day where I'm feeling almost depressed. (laughs) Yeah. You know, yeah. Another listener jumped in and said coffee and soda does not count when it comes to uh, that water intake. He does uh, hate... Usually it works against it, doesn't it? Yeah. Say again? Yeah, he hates seeing people fill up their water jugs with soda at the hospital and think they can count that as liquid. So that's a good reminder. There's nothing But now you like and I, that. I think Pure we talked water. about this recently. We don't drink sodas. I remember being in a restaurant once. Uh, they had one of those self... I don't drink any sodas, but I, I saw... Uh, someone who was kind of large getting a, I don't know, it was a, a half a gallon of Mountain Dew and then went to the table and added about seven packets of sugar. Oh, boy. That's a, lo- and I thought a to lot myself, of sugar. I think I have an idea what the problem might be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, like the sodas, uh, especially the caffeinated ones and caffeine, those dehydrate you as well, do they not? I don't know. So I think they work against 
the hydrating. Oh, wait, Ryan so. and Rosie are shaking their heads yes. So, yeah, my expert, my expert panel here in the studio says yes, it does. That's good. I'm taking off my white doctor coat. I know nothing. Do you have a stethoscope? Oh, <laughs> of course I do. Don't if you see me. a television commercial and the doctor in the TV commercial is wearing a stethoscope, my theory is that's not a real doctor. <laughs> that's probably true. That's probably they true. They only give the stethoscope to the fake doctors to make them look like real doctors. Yeah. So do you think some of the COVID protocols that we're experiencing at doctors and dentist's office and things, do you think that we, we are all understanding what it is and it's a little repetitive and um, is it still meaningful to go through the protocols? Uh, I went to the dentist this morning and they took my temperature and I said to the hygienist, just out of curiosity, uh, since you've been taking temperatures, have you ever had to send somebody home that came in and didn't think they thought they were fine and ended up having an elevated temperature? And she said, no, we haven't had to send anybody home yet. And I remember when you used to travel and they used to say to you with your luggage, uh, has anyone else besides you handled your luggage? And I thought, uh, yeah. no, that's just been me. And now they stopped asking that question. So I wonder if I we're going to get... I think they realized that uh, yeah, it was not necessarily the most probing question, you know. It's, it's like, so are you asking me if I plan to do nefarious deeds? Right, is that, right. Is, your, is that what your question is? Yeah, I was planning to, but uh, I can't lie. I got caught in the dragnet of yeah. your truth or your, your, your truth serum <laughs> yeah. question there. Yeah. yeah. But I think people yeah. are pretty responsible. They're incredibly aware. Uh, they know when they've got uh, a temperature. They know when they don't feel good. They stay home. Well, okay. I'll use it as an example. Iowa's never really had a, we haven't had a statewide mask mandate. Uh, and we've been, you know, pretty open and, you know, some things get closed down early and there are restrictions. But uh, when I was at a, a clinic when I had COVID, so I had it, as you know, like mm-hmm. back at, around Thanksgiving, but I, I had stopped by the clinic and I was talking to a doctor that I know there and I said, well, how is the regular flu doing? And uh, he said, zip, got nothing. And I thought, well, you know, so I asked him, I said, well, why is it? He said, well, all of the protocols that we're using, even though they're not mandated in Iowa, obviously people are doing them. Mm-hmm. He says, has cut into the transmission of just the regular flu. You know, we're not shaking hands anymore. It was hands transmission, you know, touching your mouth, touching yeah. your face. That's how the regular flu spread. He says, we're not, we've obviously gotten very good at that, even without a mandate here. Yeah. So I think you're right. People are generally, Responsible. if they're not feeling well, they're not going to go to the dentist. It's like, exactly. you know what? I don't feel, I shouldn't be there today. Exactly. We've got a minute left, Patrick, and we've got a couple of uh, listeners chiming in saying, what was that sleep device you were referring to? I think was it the um, Breathe Right strip? Do you think that was Well, that was the one that uh, did not work as well for me, but this was called Mute. M-U-T-E. Mute, M-U-T-E. And, and what does it do again? Is that the thing that you put over your mouth? Uh, no, this one is one that you actually place in the nostrils. It's okay. extremely comfortable. And what it does is it keeps your nostrils open oh, gotcha. so that you get a big stream of air in through your nostrils. I think I got them at the, the local uh, drugstore, and I think it was 20 bucks, and you get three of them in there. Okay. And I was very skeptical. Nice. I was like, this worked. I got to jump. I wish I'd listened to you more closely when you're on the show. <laughs> have a good day patrick thanks for uh, coming on all right coming up next pastor robert morgan's going to be joining us uh we'll be right back listening to an encore presentation of afternoons with bill arnold faith hope and clarity in a special repeat performance let's get it started 
Pastor Robert Morgan is a pastor of Donaldson Fellowship in Nashville. He's been there for 40 years. He uh, is a best-selling author with winner uh, and a gold medallion winning writer. There you go. I spit that up. He's uh, had more than 35 books in print and approximately 5 million copies in circulation. And I would say Robert Morgan is on my Mount Rushmore uh, of guests. So he's there and he's got a nice prominent position and he's with us today. Robert, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. It's dangerous being on Mount Rushmore. You never know when you may fall off. (laughs) (laughs) Get it. But I think of my... I'm so so glad to be with you. My guests that I just love, and you'd probably be on my Mount Rushmore list. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And given the times we're in right now, I mean, I'm thinking of all the work you've done and all the, the books you've written and you know, I probably have have purchased uh, I don't know fifteen or twenty copies of the Red Sea Rules and given them out um, because they're 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 great principles for for handling uh, difficulty. And there's a lot of people suffering right now and and in difficulty. And I would love to um, talk about that a little bit just to get things started. Uh, yes, absolutely. These are very hard times. This has been a difficult year. Uh, not only with the virus here in uh, uh, Nashville, we also had a tornado. People everywhere have had their own individual issues. And then the political divisions uh, have had us all anxious and on edge. So there's a lot of things that we could um, worry about or be anxious about or be discouraged about. But, you know, Bill, I did a, a word study of discouragement in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I went I went through and looked up every time the word discouragement is found in the Bible. There is not one positive reference. There is no time when God tells us we should be discouraged. Every time that word occurs, it is to warn us not to fall into that trap. So I think even in a year like this, we have to keep up our courage. We have to be cheerful. We have to make up our minds to be thankful. And we have to barrel right on based upon the sovereign promises of our majestic God. And and it's important for us to remember that. Mm-hmm. And one of the things uh, I love about the Red Sea Rules book is it's, it's you can read it in a sitting, uh, and the, the, the chapters are beautifully laid out. There's 10 rules, and they're profound. And one of the first rule is... God has you exactly where he wants you. Well, this little book uh, is the story of the Israelites when they were trapped at the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. And the very first verse says that the Lord told Moses to lead the Israelites into this particular area and to the very spot where then they found themselves trapped. Uh, It was amazing to me that God led them into this hopeless situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, They couldn't go forward. They couldn't go backwards. They were there in the will of God, uh, but he had a purpose for it. And there are a lot of times we don't like where we are in life, uh, either vocationally or geographically or financially or emotionally or relationally or in some way. But God knows where we are. And we are sometimes there because he led us there. We're sometimes there because we didn't follow him where we should have. But in any case, uh, Bill, it's like the GPS. He knows where to take us from where we find ourselves to the next stage he has for us. 
And we can't look back and uh, shake our heads and, and say, what am I doing here? We have to look forward and say, what does God want me to do next? Isn't it uh, how so many people probably feel? Because the Israelites, they, they look behind him, and then there's a charging army. They look in front of him. There's water. There's mountains. There's, they're in an absolutely impossible, there is no solution situation. And then, and then God provides a solution that they couldn't have thought of in a, or dreamed of in a zillion years. Yes. But if, um, um, had given them the power to walk across the Red Sea. Have you ever thought of this? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus walked across the Sea of Galilee. God knows how to do a miracle in which an uh, individual, Jesus, can walk across the sea, the, you know, the choppy, raging sea. Just walk across it as though it's a lawn. Uh, but God didn't choose to do that. Uh, he could have transported them over. He could have had angelic chariots to take them over. Uh, he could have uh, used any one of, you know, many different ways of getting them over there. But he wanted to do something so spectacular to them that they would never forget it, not for generations to come. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the Lord just wants to do something so special in our lives that we will never forget how he helped us. Yeah. Robert, let me jump ahead to rule number five. Stay calm and confident and give God time to work. Uh, what about if I don't feel very patient right now? Well, this is exactly, uh, it comes right out of Exodus chapter 14. Uh, Moses said, don't panic. Uh, don't uh, don't uh, distress yourselves. Just stand still and see uh, what God is going to do, what he's going to do next, because the battle is, is not ours. It belongs to him. Uh, there, you know, there are times, Bill, when we may be impatient, but it isn't going to do any good. You know, we cannot accelerate God's will for our lives beyond uh, what his will is for us. Uh, Our times are in his hands. Uh, My wife passed away last year, and before she passed away, she uh, had a near-death moment, and then um, she didn't, um, uh, you know, she, she, we thought she was gone, but but then uh, the Lord rallied her, and we had her for another month, and, and we both came away uh, quoting that verse, our times are in God's hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, He knows exactly when he wants to take us to heaven. He knows exactly when he wants to implement the next stage in our lives. Uh, And we, you know, truly we have to wait on him. Psalm number 37 says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. So the Israelites here had to wait. But then when God parted the sea, it was time for them to move. There's a time to wait. And then there's a time to move. Robert, I, um, I'm so touched by the way that you so lovingly cared for your wife. And I know we've talked about this before, but um, she had a, a fairly significant um, issue with, was it uh, MS? Yes, yes. So you were, uh, you, you had to, um, your caring for her was was beautiful and huge and sacrificial and you wouldn't have it any other way. I knew you think. I, I know you thought of it as the most beautiful, sacred experience ever. Um, well, I, I didn't do it perfectly. Um, <laughs> of course not. If I could go back and and do it over, I know more now than I did then. But we said, uh, Bill, we Katrina and I said that we were each other's caregivers. Um, I provided caregiving for her in some physical ways 
that, you know, she couldn't do for herself. But she also cared for me mm-hmm. and uh, and met emotional needs. And, and when I would get panicky or I'd get afraid, uh, she knew how to uh, steady me and how to calm me down. And, you know, I missed that. But we've got to – I think the broader lesson that I've come away from that all is that we are all each other's caregivers. Uh, we've got to have the needs of the other person in our minds and, and try to go out of our way uh, to – care for whoever God puts in our paths. Uh, and that, that requires sacrifice, but it's really a joy to do, mm-hmm. especially when you look back at it. Yeah. Let me jump to rule number seven, because this is a, a wonderful, a wonderful um, rule. Envision God's enveloping presence. Well, this was very real for the Israelites in chapter 14, because the Lord was there with them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And he dwelt there um, among them, and a little bit later, he would actually come into that tabernacle in a very uh, glorious way and dwell among them. So they weren't alone in that desert. They weren't alone as they were going through the Red Sea. They had the presence of God with them. In fact, the presence of God came between them and the um, Egyptian army so that Now, this was probably, you know, they crossed over at night. So they were passing between these huge, towering, congealed walls of water at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, But the light from God's presence was so bright, it was like the daytime. It was like a football field Mm. all lit up at night. But the same presence of God cast deep darkness on the Egyptians And so it was not just the wonder of the companionship of God's presence. They had his protecting presence with them. And I believe we have the same thing. The Lord, when we wake up in the morning, we can say, good morning, Lord. I'm I'm glad you're here in my room today. We can spend time in prayer and Bible study, talking to him and listening to him. When we go into the day, he goes with us. He drives in our car or is on our bicycle or walks with us. He He's always very close. Um, and then when we come home, he's there. And at the end of the day, I've, I've found, Bill, that as a widower, the evenings are the most difficult. But the Lord is there with me. I'm not alone. And when I get ready to go to sleep, I can say, Lord, uh, if you're going to stay up through the night, I'm going to go ahead and close my eyes and go to sleep. <laughs> and we have God's constantly abiding presence with us. The Israelites did. But He's, he will never leave us and never forsake us. Mm-hmm. And uh, rule number eight, trust God to deliver in his own unique way. I think sometimes we go to God in prayer and we give him a basic little scenario as to how we'd like to see our prayer answered. The Israelites could never have dreamed how that Red Sea would be parted. Not one of them, not even Moses, could have imagined that God would do something like that. And uh, so we, we, you know, the Lord has his way of doing things. I look back over my life, uh, Bill, and there are most of the things that God has enabled me to do for him. He opened the doors for me. I could never have forced those things to happen. He went before and, and opened those doors. And some of the things I desperately wanted to do, he didn't allow me. He didn't mm-hmm. open those doors. But I look back, and, you know, there's a great old Fanny Crosby hymn that says, All the way my Savior lead me, 
And it, at the very last line says that when we get to heaven, we'll look back and we can say, Jesus led me all the way. I love it. Um, I'm going to take a little break, uh, Robert, if you don't mind. When I come back, I want to talk a little bit about your book, Worry Less, Live More, which I love, and also another book I go to all the time that you wrote, 100 Bible Verses Everyone Should Know by Heart. I mean, it's a little uh, reference book I go to all the time, and I always pick up lots of gems and insights and fresh pieces of wisdom from you. So thank you for those, uh, those resources. I just love them all. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome, Bill. Thank you. Yeah, so I'll take a short break and be back. Pastor Robert Morgan is my guest. We'll be back in 90 seconds. A special repeat performance. I've already prepaid for books 36 and 37, which he hasn't even written yet, but I already want them. And one of the books that he's written is a great book called Worry Less, Live More. And, uh, Robert, you do some, give some really great um, uh, practices that you, that you encourage us. Talk about the practice of gentleness. Um, I know that's out of Philippians 4, 5. Yes. Uh, my book, Worry Less, Live More, is an exposition or an explanation of the Bible's most definitive passage in dealing with anxiety, which is in Philippians 4. And there are about seven or eight different steps the Apostle Paul gives there. And one is, let your gentleness be evident to all. The passage says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And I wondered, why does he include gentleness here Mm -hmm. in this list? But it was, you know, when you think about it, it's very self-evident. When we are harsh, everybody's anxiety level goes up. When we speak sternly, when we lose our temper, when we are difficult, when everyone has to walk on eggshells, then everybody's anxiety goes up. But when we are uh, smiling and we are pleasant and we're treating people with gentleness, then anxiety levels goes down, both ours and everybody else's. So I think it's important when we are all under stress as we are now to remind ourselves of this Bible verse, let your gentleness be evident to all. And such a great reminder, especially now. You you personally had some uh, issues with anxiety, haven't you? Yes, I think it uh, runs in my family. Okay. Uh, I'm prone to anxiety, and uh, I've had to really work my way um, emotionally and and mentally and biblically Mm -hmm. uh, to a point where I can keep it, uh, or the Holy Spirit can help me keep it managed. Uh, There are three passages, uh, Bill, that have helped me more than anything else. Psalm 37, which says, do not fret. Matthew 6, which says, do not worry about your life. And Philippians 4, which says, do not be anxious about anything. Uh, I've memorized all of those passages, and I go to them over and over again. They are, um, the first one comes from God the Father in the book of Psalms, the second from God the Son um, in the Gospels, and the third from God the Holy Spirit in the inspired epistles. Robert, how do we take Philippians 4.8 and get it into our bones? 
Well, it helps to memorize it. Okay. I think that um, when you memorize something, then you can carry it around with you all day long. You can meditate on it. Uh, I've, I've learned this verse a long time ago, and I keep going back to it. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I may start quoting it. Uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So uh, we have to preach to ourselves. We have to give ourselves a talking to, and having verses like that uh, to encourage ourselves with and to quote to ourselves when we feel anxiety creeping over us, uh, that's a very important technique. Mm-hmm. And that uh, was f- 4, 6, and 7, wasn't it? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I was going to also pick your brain on 4, 8, which is whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when we have all these negative messages that come at us during the day, how do we get this verse into our bones so this verse counteracts all the negative stuff? Yeah, that's biblical meditation. These adjectives, what is true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, those are all descriptions of God and descriptions of His Word. And I have a book called Reclaiming the Lost Art of Biblical Meditation, Mm. you know, Psalm 1 says, blessed is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. So every day, uh, Bill, I will take two or three minutes working on some Bible memory verse. Uh, right now I'm, I'm working on a little path, uh, paragraph from First Timothy chapter 6, and I'll just say it out loud. I'll read it out loud several times. Uh, I may read it into my phone uh, and listen to it to see what I missed. Mm -hmm. But then as I go through the day, I try to think about it. Uh, If I'm going for a walk, uh, then I'll, you know, before I start listening to podcasts or something else, I'll I'll just let that Bible verse um, circle around in my brain. We need to have the Bible circulating in our minds like water circulating through a fountain. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a a tremendous way to get verse 8 into your system. I love that. And then the um, the being just intentional and self-talk, and this is all ways in which we can be instantly building up our self-talk because we're, we're preaching little sermons to ourselves and, and telling ourselves truth. And if we're doing that several times a day, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help uh, keep us um, in the right state of mind. Yes, we have to do that. And self-talk is a very biblical pattern. Uh, The Lord had it in his Bible before any of the positive thinkers came up with it. Uh, You know, the psalmist said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Well, who was he talking to? He was talking to himself. He was asking himself, Why are you so discouraged? Now, you need to start hoping in God. So that is a biblical practice, to preach to ourselves, to talk to ourselves, to give ourselves a lecture, to give ourselves a talking to. Uh, Sometimes we just have to pace back and forth in the room and even out loud uh, remind ourselves of the scriptures and the promises and the truths of God. Mm -hmm. Robert, I I often open up your 100 Bible verses everyone should know by heart because I'm working on them, but I'm also inspired by... um, 
the the book and your insights. Um, so if I've got that open, and let's say I'm I'm focusing on Second Timothy three sixteen, which is all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. There's a lot of uh, people that don't like or believe the Bible is true, inspired Word of God. So we're finding ourselves in that discussion more and more in today's world. Well, there is good reason to uh, to accept the veracity of the Bible. And if someone listening here is questioning whether or not Christianity is true or whether the Bible can be trusted, then the whole area of Christian apologetics has so much convincing information. I went through a period of time as a young adult when I wondered whether or not the Bible is true. But the Bible will convince you, uh, I think, of its truthfulness. One of the areas, uh, Bill, is the fulfillment of Messianic prophecy. When you study the Old Testament, you have Jesus on every page. And I could start right now and preach about every aspect of the birth, the life, the ministry, the character, the suffering, the death, the resurrection, the uh, second coming of Christ. I could give you all of that New Testament information without ever turning to the New Testament, because it is embedded in advance prophetically in the Old Testament. So I keep going back to these evidences we have for the truthfulness of Christianity. The Lord doesn't want us to believe in something despite the evidence. He wants us to believe in things because of the evidence. Mm-hmm. Jesus Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. So um, it's terrible to, uh, to have a Bible in your hands and not know whether or not you can trust it. There are very good reasons to trust God's Word. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert, I'm, I again extend my sympathy over the loss of Katrina. I, I know it's been a little over a year. It was uh, last year on Veterans Day. Okay. Um, well, I, you know, I, I, I look up to the sky sometimes, Bill, and I, I did this just the other day. I look up beyond the sky, and I think beyond the blue, there's the uh, up there. I have people. I have people up there. <laughs> uh, I have. Yes. I have someone I love up there. Yes. Uh, I have parents up there. I have a savior up there. Uh-huh. And I just look forward. To, uh, to our reunion time. Yes. So I, I try not to look back too much in anguish. You know, you can't help it some. Oh, right. And there is grief, uh, you know, that never is, is gone. But I look upward and I say, I've got people up there and I've got to do what God wants me to do down here and then I'll, I'll go and, and greet them. And so we look forward and we look upward. Yeah, in, indeed we do. Uh, you said something earlier in the uh, interview where you said, evenings can be the most challenging or the most difficult. And I know that there are a whole bunch of listeners to my program that are in that similar situation, that evenings can be difficult and challenging. Maybe you could, um, in the short time we have left, maybe just give a word of encouragement for those who might be in that same situation you're in. Well, we shouldn't just sit and watch the television news. Uh, That's going to make things worse. We need to find projects. We need to take courses. We need to study. We need to find a book we're going to read. Uh, We need to stay busy, um, uh, either mentally busy or physically busy in the evening hours. Um, And that's what helps me. I'm going to, I have a a very small tree tonight that I'm going to decorate, and I'm reading through Pilgrim's Progress uh, in the evenings. And 
and I may watch a little something on TV, but, but not much, and certainly not the news. But we have to keep ourselves occupied and with meaningful activity because right. God has something for us to do every single day, and he has everything scheduled out for us. We just need to stay busy doing our father's business. Yeah, I had a guest um, who was in the similar situation, lost her husband, and she said, I went from having a to-do list to having a to-be list. Yes, very well put. Yeah, yeah. Wonderfully put. Yeah. Robert, thank you so much for taking your time uh, to be with me and my listeners today. I have always enjoy having you on the program, and I always feel so encouraged when I get off. So thank you for that time. It's a joy for me to build. The Lord bless you. Uh, so richly. Thank you for blessing me right now. That means a lot to me. Thank you. You're welcome. Yep. Bye-bye. Yep. Pastor Robert Morgan has been my guest. You can head over to uh, robertjmorgan.com to learn more about him and his books, or you can go to Amazon and check out any of his book titles. He's uh, he's a really good writer, and uh, you're going to love whatever you buy of his. Um, so anyway, we'll take a little break. When we come back, the prayer series continues. We will take a short break and be back with more in just a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.